This is broadcaster Golf Papa 6, Bravo Echo Alpha, at Kilo Charlie 4, Triple Alpha, Double Alpha Foxtrot. Hi, Rinnegan. I'd like to start this off by saying that I'm so grateful for all of you who reached out to me after my last broadcast. It makes me feel slightly less alone to know that so many of you are listening to my voice and really care about what's happening down here. You all had some great advice. Quite a few of you promised to coordinate with each other and local leadership to see that an Antarctica rescue mission gets underway. I have no idea how successful you will be, given how treacherous the oceans and seas have become. But I am absolutely touched that you're thinking of us. And of course, I'm hoping you pull this off. We're implementing an emergency plan down here. Rationing food and gas as much as we can. Putting people in charge of overseeing different aspects of life and making sure everyone is accounted for. We are doing what we can to have our days play out here as safely as possible. I am still in charge of this radio, which shouldn't come as a surprise. They asked me to help with the coordination of morale boosting, which also isn't surprising as I had already been helping to arrange some recreational time. Things are definitely more serious here. What that actually looks like is providing those of us who were panicking with some structure to hold on to by making this whole situation a little more uniform. So we actually know what to expect from day to day. And that's all the good news. The bad news? I mean... The obvious part, the one that I'm sure you've all been thinking about this whole time, is the reports that across all regions we still have contact with, we're starting to see more people who are behaving like my friend Sahil. That is a relatively new development. We saw the isolation and obsession with creative endeavors down here before anywhere else, but it's been a few weeks since people started acting like this elsewhere. Those individuals only just began gathering together this week, and everyone who has any access to them reports that they're the same there as they are down here. Silent when anyone intrudes and chanting when alone. Some of you have even recorded what they're saying. I haven't heard the recordings myself, but from what you've described, it is very unnerving. They aren't talking to each other like people. They're just repeating mantras over and over. Not loudly, but at a volume that's somewhat audible through doors. That might have more to do with the number of voices than anything else. I don't know about you, but when I heard that, I went cold. I had been thinking to myself this whole time that it was some sort of mental thing related to Antarctica. That the stress of being down here, combined with the stress from everything going on in the world, was making people act a little off. Or a lot off in this case. The isolation, the art, that stuff was fine. Even if that sort of behavior were spreading across the world, it could be attributed to people not handling absolute stress well. 
chanting. What the hell is up with that? It must be something beyond a stress-related fugue state. There isn't exactly a solid explanation for various groups of people on multiple continents who are separated by loads and loads of water starting to do something like chant. I'm really trying to be logical about this, but when I heard that, ah, I don't know. There's been weird things before, like laughing sickness or dancing compulsions across a lot of people. Maybe it's because there's never been such a widespread catastrophe during a time when people were so connected across a great distance, maybe? Maybe I need to stop trying to explain this away. I don't know. I need to think some more. I need to do some real heavy thinking. This is making me question everything I thought I knew. Sahil stopped talking to me. It wasn't gradual. He was talking to me a bit every day, even when he didn't have much to say. We'd interact. Usually he'd have a note for me. After I read those last three on the air, though, after that, he stopped. Now when I go to see him, he just stares into the distance or back at the others who are acting like he is. He doesn't have any messages. He doesn't need me for anything. I even tried writing notes for him, like I suggested I should before, but that doesn't do any good. I'm out of ideas. Erin is out of ideas. She went white when I showed her all the notes that said help over and over. She has no idea what to do, and that's incredibly concerning. I am going to keep bringing him his meals. But we're more lost than we ever have been. I should mention now that these people are no longer making their way to the mess hall. They're not even eating unless we bring food to them. I don't know what else to do. I guess just keep trying to engage them. This isn't good, and it can't be good for him. I don't want to lose my friend to whatever this is. I keep... I keep saying it, but... I just wish I knew what to do. I wish I knew how to help him. I wish I knew what he meant by all those notes. I feel like there's an enormous piece of the puzzle I'm just missing. I think normally this would be where I'm supposed to make some grand statement, promising that I'm going to save my friend from whatever is happening to him, proclaiming that I'm going to solve the problem no matter what it takes. But the fact is, I can't make any promises like that. I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea if there's anything I can do. I can't fix something if I can't identify the problem. I will say, however, I am going to do my best to help him, even if, even if he doesn't want me to. I'm going to be there every day. I'm going to wait. 
until he wants to talk again. If he ever wants to talk again. I won't abandon him, even if it seems like that's what he wants. I know he wanted help. I don't know how to do it, but I'll do what I can. Anyway, enough of that. Turns out we're getting more people again. The grand consensus is that McMurdo is one of the safest places from a tsunami while still being close to the water. Therefore, we'll be getting some people from different stations here soon, along with their supplies. More bodies will mean more people to manage, but I think we're okay. The additions from Scott Base were so few that we still have a ton of room. We were on our Winter Skeleton crew, and we have space for so many more people since summer is such a different story here under normal circumstances. This is going to be good. More people means more hands to keep the station running smoothly. I am a little concerned that more people means more mouths. And more potential for... How do I put this? Drama, I guess. Interpersonal quarrels. People I don't know and therefore can't trust to have my back. I think it's the right move. And... I wouldn't for a moment turn anyone away. But I also think my reservations are realistic. We just need to be careful and clear and communicate with everybody precisely. We need to facilitate dialogue and accountability. Everyone needs to do their part to keep this place going. I sincerely doubt, between the gravity of the situation and the kind of people who are brought down here for work, we're going to run into a lot of people not pulling their weight or slacking off or anything at least. It's certainly possible, but it just seems a little unlikely. Aaron would probably know more about that than I would. I think that's a psychological phenomenon. But, no, I'm not going to bother her with something so small. Not with how much I've been relying on her lately. She's really overworked, and that's partly on me. There's a lot of people here. At least, a lot for one psychologist to deal with. Especially for someone who's more researcher than clinician to begin with. But we work with what we have. She has skills that we need. Maybe someone among the newcomers will be able to help take the load off her. I don't know if we are in a position to request any sort of professions our newcomers might have before they arrive, but it can't hurt to see if that's possible. Of course, new psychologists come with more brains who need therapy, so it might not be that much help in the end, but it could be the difference between maintaining the status quo and more work for Aaron. Anyway... I'm going to talk to Harper about sharing a room. Normally I'd say that's a pretty big step and take a while to think about it, but I'm pretty sure it's a good idea. Right now there are few enough people that no one is sharing rooms, but I think going forward that is going to change. 
I'll talk to Hudson and Maddie too, but that's not such a loaded question. Hudson and Maddie are just friends. I mean, Harper and I have been sharing a room a couple times a week as it is, but sharing a room all the time is different. I don't know. Getting private time is going to be a lot harder soon. And I want the people I already know and care about closer to me. Yeah, in the case of Harper, for intimate reasons. And in the case of Hudson and Maddie, just because I trust them. Before Sahil hurt himself, I would have included him. And maybe I should still. I don't think it's a good idea to let everyone who is acting like that bunk with one another. Something about that idea sits wrong with me. This is broadcaster Golf Papa 6, Bravo Echo Alpha, at Kilo Charlie 4, Triple Alpha, Double Alpha Foxtrot. God, I have such a headache right now. These winds. I feel like they're making my head hurt. I don't know. Is that silly? They're just so loud and there's so much pressure behind them. It's ridiculous. I need to go see the medical staff and get some painkillers. I think they've been kind of on standby. No one has really been hurt lately. No one is sick. No one is pregnant. There are probably individuals seeing things about things like period cramps and whatnot, but no broken bones, no flus, no real illnesses to speak of. Which is weird when you think about it. I mean, really, we're a bunch of people together. You would think at least the common cold would be spreading among us. But then again, it's not like the medical staff can do much about a cold. I'm just glad we haven't had to worry about those sort of things. Or like, I don't know, food poisoning. Oh crap. Thanks, Bryn. Do scientists need to knock on wood when we say things like that? Before all this started, I would have said no. But before all this started, I don't think I would have actually gotten so worried that I would have said the words. We haven't had to worry about food poisoning. Now I'm thinking that just the very act of mentioning some calamity like that will bring it tumbling down on all our heads. In fact, all of this good luck with illness and injury, I don't think it's sustainable, do you? We're not exactly in a place where we can afford to get sick or anything. But when has that stopped bad luck from finding anyone? We all played Oregon Trail at one point or another. I don't think those people could really afford dysentery. And yet? How many people on the real Oregon Trail died of dysentery? Silly question, right? Or is it? We have medical staff. We have medical technology better than they did. We have soap and water. We have purified water. We know how to purify water. So maybe we don't have to worry about that right now. Right now, I'm thinking that we can't ever be too sure. What happens when we lose power or 
use up our supplies? How are we going to replenish them? I know I'm not alone in worrying about all this. And I know for a fact, people were concerned about it before my wandering thoughts got me here. But it is not a good conclusion when you abruptly realize that you might find yourself in situations akin to colonizers in the 1800s. There goes Bryn again. They're making us all worry about things that we might not even need to be worrying about. So, in other news... Hudson, Maddie, Harper, Gilma, and Willow are all doing well on the radio. I know a few of you have heard their voices now, and they're growing more confident in their skills. Expect that to continue as we keep going. We're all incredibly busy, so I don't think that anyone else is going to be a fixture anytime soon, but there is a definite improvement among the group. Regarding the base, Andrea and David have withdrawn from the rest of us. They have a whole team. It's not like they're totally isolated. They're still coming to meals. But they are refusing to answer any more questions about what it is they're working on. Which means they're refusing to talk about what they found with the meteorites. Oh, it's nothing as sinister as behaving as though we aren't there. They will acknowledge us, they'll say hi, and make bare minimum amount of small talk necessary to prove that they aren't automatons. But that's it. The moment there's a chance to lead the conversation, they bolt like a prey animal. And if you breach the subject of work with them, well, they just shut down entirely and refuse to make eye contact of any kind. To say it's unsettling would be a massive understatement. It's not like what's going on with Sahil and that crowd, but it's kind of scary in its own right. I guess that means things are getting worse. I can kind of sympathize with them, but I wish they wouldn't let their entire world become so absorbed in their equipment fucking up. We need them, just like we need everyone else here. For them to withdraw so completely is just not going to help anyone. All it's going to do is spread more anxiety. Among them, among us when we interact with them, and among the entire station when we go out and interact with others. Anxiety is a goddamn virus in this place. If we let it spread, it's going to do just as much damage. You're so isolated. Even when the other stations and bases join us, that's not going to change. All we have is one another. We need to count on each other. We need to not devolve into a mess of strife. So, I guess I'm going to do my best to keep that team from clamming up and isolating worse than they already have. Who the fuck knows how? But, I'll think of something. Or I won't, and nothing will change, for the better at least. Then there's my anomalous data, which I wish wasn't. We are still hearing that the Kekere is fine. None of our computers are crapping out errors, no matter how many diagnostic tests we run. I can make it make sense, 
I just can't for the life of me understand why it's showing us what it's showing us. There is no reason for these stars to have shifted. Again, not all of them, just a good number at some specific coordinates. Specifically the area I need to be working on for my team back home. <sighs> home. I really want to be there. I still don't regret coming down here. It's not like I could have foreseen the total breakdown of world travel. But what I wouldn't give to be with Addison right now. I miss them so much and I miss our house. Not having any idea how things are going on there is stressing me out so much. I know I'm not alone in that. Everyone down here is feeling that way. It might be selfish to spend so much time saying things like this, but... I hope they're okay. And I hope they're doing what they can for themselves and our loved ones. I know that Addison is more than capable of taking care of themselves. And everyone around them. They're a powerhouse like that. So long as nothing awful has happened to them. That's my biggest concern, of course. That something tragic happened and they can't do what is needed. I haven't really talked about it as much, but I'm worried about my parents too. I mentioned them a bit before, but I haven't really been in close contact with them this year. My parents are incredibly supportive of me. I sort of threw them for a loop when I told them I was non-binary and later polyamorous, but they eventually accepted those aspects of me. They were a little hesitant when I told them I would be in Antarctica for a year. They thought my leaving Addison for that long was strange, and when they found out I would be in pretty much complete darkness for a good portion of that time, they got incredibly worried. They have been sending me emails, or at least they were until everything started to collapse telling me they were proud of me. They're in Rhode Island. I don't know if I mentioned that here before or not. I have no idea what's going on in California, and even less of an idea what the eastern seaboard looks like, so... It's safe to say that when I dwell too long on what is happening with them, I get sick to my stomach. I'm an only child, and they don't have any family left in the area. I know if I were in California, I would be just as impotent to help as I am now. But I feel like it would be more likely that I would hear from them. Maybe. Who knows? I guess it is, once again, pointless to speculate about how things would play out if I were still at home. Just like I did with Addison. They're... The Alcott's in Providence. If you hear anything about David or Emma Alcott in Providence, Rhode Island, please let me know. I know it's an even longer shot than hearing from California, but I still have to try. Where was I? Right. Well, I can't explain anything I'm seeing. 
Stars have shifted positions. Why? That's an excellent question, my friends. A damn excellent question. If I had a million dollars right now, I would gladly hand it over to whoever can solve that mystery for us. Hudson and I are breaking our heads open trying to fix this, and it's just not getting fixed. I don't really know what we're going to do if we have to just give up. You're letting a lot of people down if we do. Our team, both here and back in Los Angeles, other astronomers around the world who are depending on our findings to move forward with their own, and, as cheesy as this sounds, we're letting ourselves down. What sort of scientists are we if we let some faulty equipment get between us and our goals? That's not to say we can't get stumped by computers, or telescopes, or anything else giving you an error. It's just that this is what we do for a living. You would think we'd be able to fix our own equipment. There aren't exactly that many people in the world who can fix the things we can. That's why they asked us to be here. Because we're good at what we do. Science isn't about getting everything right. You're going to make mistakes. All of us do. You have to learn from those mistakes to go forward. You can't let a single failure define you. But I do have to say... If we can't figure out what's going on, when we have so many great minds at our disposal, it seems like we really fucked up something big. Something that's going to cost someone a lot of money to fix, and no one wants to be responsible for something like that. This is broadcaster Golf Papa 6, Bravo Echo Alpha, at Kilo Charlie 4, Triple Alpha, Double Alpha Foxtrot. I don't really want to think about what Hudson and I would do if we had to table this entire project while we're here. I am sure there's going to be plenty of ways for us to keep occupied, but... Carrying around a failure like that, in a stressful time like this, doesn't seem like a very good idea. We don't need anything else dragging us down. And working on something you understand is such a great way to pass the time. Having to learn a new skill right now seems daunting. In lighter news, Sid started a jogging club. It was originally just their friends, but they started getting more people asking if they could come along, so now there's a good ten people jogging every day. It was initially running, but I think not all of those who just joined up are capable of great speed yet. They're still working their way up. So... Sid and the others are going slower. It's kind of nice to see. I'm not ready to take up jogging, but I think I'm going to hit up the gym a little more. Maybe use exercise to work off some of the stress I've been under. It won't fix anything, but if the end result is less tightly wound, Bryn, then I'll take it. And getting healthier isn't a bad idea. I have to keep the blood moving. We've got... Trivia night. I'm pretty thankful that I'm not the host. I feel like getting the questions together without the use of the internet might get complicated. But Arthur is doing it, and he seems happy with the results. I've got plenty of resources around to study, so it's not like there's nowhere to pull information from. It's just that the internet is faster, and 
easier, and we're used to it. All of our social nights are going great. There were some minor complications when we first started rationing drinks, but that's mostly been smoothed out. People are understanding, especially as we started divvying up the rationing tasks. As people saw how limited our resources were, most of them started to understand why things like restricted drinks were necessary. The kitchen staff has been phenomenal. They're already working with a lot, and we've asked them to cut back on production. They're making things easier for all of us. It does suck that a lot of us are going to bed hungry, but... No one wants to be the person who is setting us all up to starve in a couple of months. I know a couple members of the kitchen staff have breached the topic of hunting. Maddie says that under the circumstances she would understand, but most of the animals are staying away. Maybe some of the fish would be viable, but even in that case, there are less fish around than usual. There's apparently some edible seaweed around here too. Not that easy to collect in frozen waters, but... It's not all frozen. People have been harvesting and drying it out recently, so I suppose that will end up in our meals soon enough. It's not just food and drinks we're rationing. We're rationing every consumable resource. Anything that we have been relying on the wider world for. Some things are precariously low, I hear. I haven't pressed about what... Nothing I need to worry about, but some of the support staff are getting agitated. We are going to have to make some decisions soon regarding whether or not we'll make a run to New Zealand. Without any correspondence, it's hard to gauge whether that would be a good or bad move. So, if any of you have heard anything about what's going on there, please don't hesitate to tell me. We're... Still in the dark. About a lot of things. I'm... Trying not to count too much on the rescue missions you all have mentioned. But... I do wonder if we'll have to. We were extremely isolated up until recently. And not all of our supplies have been replenished. I'll try coordinating with some of you in a minute. Need to see where you stand on those plans. I'm not trying to put any pressure on anyone. You do have to take care of your own concerns first. But... We might be needing to change things around down here soon. Anyway... I think I'm... Did... Did you all hear that? I thought I heard... I heard it again. Did any of you catch that? It's those voices again. The ones I told you about before. They're freaking Harper out. They're freaking me out. Rin. We know you can hear us. Wow, I really wish I wasn't alone in here right now. might sound silly, but I'm starting to get really frightened. Are any of you hearing this? We know you can hear us. 
Holy shit. What was that? That was... That was a whole sentence. Am I... Am I going crazy? Did you hear that too? We are ready to begin. We know you can hear us. We are starting now. It's ready now. You're ready now. We know you can hear us. We're ready for you, Bryn. We know you can hear us. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, I'm... I'm going back to base. I need to talk to Harper. Holy crap. I'll... I'll be back later. It Grows Dark is written by Jenna M. Pittman and produced by Jared Aiken. Theme song and score are by Define.Human. More of their work can be found at linktree.com forward slash Define.Human. The voice of Bryn and the credits is Jared Aiken. The voice of the wind is TT. Artwork by Ida Christensen. Social media is managed by Ali Lustig. Script help by Ryan Kranz and Missy Lupica. If you like what you're hearing and want to connect with us, please reach out via social media, our website, or Discord server, all of which can be found in the show notes or at linktree.com forward slash itgrowsdark. For more direct access, please send all questions or concerns to itgrowsdark at gmail.com. Fun fact. Antarctica is home to the southernmost active volcano on Earth, Mount Erebus. This mountain hosts a number of towers of ice that form around gas vents, known as ice fumaroles, and a persistent phonolytic lava lake. Thank you for listening, and stay safe.